0: something that's very interesting, and the Lord just put it on my heart, that in the Old Testament, they would make these called um, Nazarite vows. Has anybody heard of those? Um, And in these vows, well, Samuel, Elijah, Samson, some of you may remember Samson was a Nazarite. And in these vows, pretty similar to what we did this morning, a child dedication, and they made these kind of dedications. They wouldn't cut their hair. We know Samson had long hair and They wouldn't have any alcohol. They made the commitment that they wouldn't have any type of sexual immorality uh, before marriage. But as I was thinking about dedication, there was a fourth thing that I looked up this morning as far as the word of God says about this Nazarite vow that, 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 um, that they would take. And it says they weren't able to touch any dead bodies. In other words, if they touched a corpse or anything dead, they were at risk of getting kicked out of synagogues they were at risk of actually getting kicked out of the city they were shunned but i think like this is this is this is interesting what happened after the cross the opposite happens when you dedicate your child to the lord you get to touch dead things and bring them to life you get to touch a dead body and raise them up that's the joy of the new covenant David actually said that. Blessed are those that live in the new covenant. Hello, that's us. A Nazarite vow. We can say this morning, a child dedication. It's time to step over into the crossroads of raising dead things. Your kids, your children that you might have dedicated, they're not too far from an encounter with the lord sometimes we got to get when two or more are gathered together as as if touching anything the bible says it will be done for you one will put a thousand to flight the bible says in deuteronomy but two will put ten thousand to flight now if my, my if my math is correct that that don't make no sense well i read the bible on a regular basis and a lot of it doesn't make sense but we will walk by faith, not by sight. So if God's about multiplication, so am I. What I want to talk to you about this morning is that power of oneness, is that power of unity. And I have it right here, as one. One of my favorite movies, guys, is, is um, Gladiator. Anybody seen that one? That, that's probably my number one. I don't know when that came out. Probably 20 years ago, am I about right? Someone said they saw it. You know about when that came out. But anyway, if anybody not saw it, go like rent it. It's pretty, pretty. I mean, it's pretty violent, but you know the Bible <laughs> shed a few. There's some blood in the Bible too, so it's a powerful movie. And it's the the lead character's um, uh, his name's Maximus, and and um, basically he was put into slavery into a very rural, uh, cruel king and the uh, the barbarians, and and they would just um, put these uh, individuals as in these coliseums, and they would like put him in there with like three lions. So basically, it was just for entertainment, and these slaves and Maximus had absolutely no chance in and of themselves, you know, to be free. It was just like a slaughter sport, like people would be cheering on for these lions, and it was, and it was but at, at the end of this movie, they had six of these slaves that became friends, as one behind the scenes, and they were bringing up strategy, and they were talking to, to each other, and they were like buddies and friends, and they had disagreements, but they were as one, and they were thrown into this Colosseum. It's right at the end of the movie, and Maximus gets his group together. He says, we're surely going to die if we don't do this thing together. Oh, some of you are about to hear me what I'm going to preach this morning. And what happened is he got this group of people, and Maximus says, here's what I want us to do. When I say as one, I want us all to lock shields together in this very moment. And all these chariots and horses and tigers and lions, all I mean, it's totally outnumbered. <laughs> Good thing it's a little different in the kingdom of God because the Bible says there is more for us than against us. But in this moment, they said as one, and they locked shields. And if you watch the movie, I might not give it away, but, but uh, you know the end from the beginning, they were able to defeat a, an army that was so outnumbering them and then at the end they gained their freedom and it was all because of this oneness it was all because of this unity so that's what i want to share this morning if you could just stay with me for for a few moments so so god uh, let, let me pray father i thank you that you're going to anoint the words that i preach anything father that's not of you cancel it right now <laughs> Jesus, I want to preach what you preach. I want to talk how you talk. I want to act how you act. Holy Spirit, would you be thick, tangible, and move through me this morning as I preach a, member, uh, a message I believe you downloaded in my heart. Amen. Someone say amen. Amen. You guys ready? I like that math. Two will put 10,000 to flight. There's a, uh, a famous author, writer named uh, Zig Ziglar. I don't know if you heard of him. But he kind of gave this illustration, which kind of, it kind of ties into what I want to share this morning. He's talking about these Belgian horses. Um, well, we, don't, of course, don't see them around here, but similar size-wise, if you know what a Clydesdale horse is, um, they're massive. They're, they're, they're huge. And, and these Belgian horses, they basically, they're just raised to pull, pull weight. And one Belgian horse, worker horse, can by itself pull about 8,000 pounds like, that's straight and beast mode. Like, it just kind of blows me out. Like, muscles bulging out. I mean, I can relate, right? No, just kidding. <laughs> don't say nothing. And they said if you put another Belgian workhorse with this one and have them work together for maybe three, four weeks, they actually can pull up to 24,000 pounds. If my math is correct again, that don't, don't make no sense. But here's the interesting part. If you put a Belgian horse Brothers together that grew up side by side in the fields for 10 to 15 years, it says they've been documented to pull 40,000 pounds. One, we'll put a thousand to flight. Two, if you agree upon touching anything, do we have to have some prayer partners? We have to have some warriors in the spirit. You got to grab a hold of your wife sometimes at night and say, Devil, you ain't having my child. Because my Bible says if we get together, as if touching anything, it's going to be done for my Bible. There's some promises that that, that are established just by the two. Just by the number two. Two, actually, if you look it up, every priest, every scribe will say that means oneness. Jesus, when he commissioned his disciples, he sent them out two by two. Was that just because he didn't want one to get bored not having anything to do? No, it was because there was power and unity. Barnabas, his his name was known as encourager. So if one's down and out and don't feel like uh, following the ways of the Lord or, or one didn't feel like laying hands on the sick or preaching the gospel, there always would be that other one that could encourage you. Have you had anybody that in your life right now where well sometimes you just need to be around them because they encourage you to, to keep uh, taking up your shield of faith? I commission everybody that always oh, should have one Apostle Paul in your life. Do you know what I mean by one that's like that, like that elite, like powerhouse. Like I ain't quitting, going after this thing. I have one of those in my life. And then we also should have this kind of one you can do your life with. You know, you're pretty much on the same path spiritually. Maybe gave your life to the Lord at the same time. That's that's kind of like your your, your um your Barnabas. And and there always should be someone you're sowing into. And so it isn't always just about us and how can I can grow, how I can go from glory to glory. We also should have that Timothy. When they have questions, they want to tell you so, Oh, yeah, I know the answer. I've been there, done that. I've walked that path. I, I-, I know that's, that's probably not what you should be doing. And my wife just reminded me this week. I was thinking about, you know, possible business ideas, you know, to venture. And you said, remember your message. You always said you should always have three councils before you make any decision. <laughs> There's my poll, I guess, you know. <laughs> and I just, sometimes I'm just like want to keep running and God's pulling your shirt tail like slow down there's, there's a plan let's get, the, let's get the purpose and the plan together but there's always provision in your plan we don't necessarily always have to wait for the provision in order to do the plan because if it's the plan of God the provision has to follow there's one or two people that needed to hear that this morning <clears throat> Let's go to John chapter 17. You got your Bibles? Your phones, paper Bibles. I always say I like to hear the ruffling. So if you have a paper Bible, let me hear you turn into John chapter 17. That. Oh, yeah. A little more holy over there, Paul. I heard you. <laughs> John chapter 17. You ready for the word? The word is light, wisdom to our souls. Hallelujah. I usually do the NIV version. When I saw, so if you have a NIV, that would be the best for your Bible app. I want to go ahead. Where do I want to start? You guys with me? So far, verse twenty. Verse twenty. Glory. My prayer is not for them alone. Let me set this up just for a moment so we can get the context. This is one of those. This is a prayer, um, Jesus to the Father, and this is an awesome one because we get to be on the inside. A lot of times, the Bible says Jesus went to a mountain to pray, or Jesus left, and, and says in the morning he went up to pray. But we don't ever, ever not a lot of times, don't even get to hear his prayers. This is the one time we get to be a fly on the wall and actually hear what is Jesus praying to the Father before he goes to the cross. So maybe it's important, but guess what? It's about the church. It's about us. Watch this now. John chapter 17. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. Somebody say one. Father, just as you and I are, and I'm in you and you are in me, may they also be in us so that the world may believe. Oneness causes the world to believe in him. See, the Bible says the kingdom divided against itself can't stand. See, if we're divided in the house of what the gospel is or we look into the world. What is, what is truth? Or what is a woman? Or what, or what should we take the vaccine? Should we not take it? If we're not on one page, if we're not steadfast in what the Bible says, that's called division. And one of the biggest tactics of the devil is to get us divided because just like the Tower of Babel, it says they were building a tower to heaven because they wanted to be in the throne room of heaven. And they had all the exact same language. This is kind of an insight. I'm going on with a rabbit trail right here. Stay with me. Um, tower, and they were all the same language. You want to know how there's Japanese, Chinese, uh, French? It's because of this moment in Genesis, the Tower of the Babel. I believe it's 11, right around verse 6. And they were building this tower to heaven. And God looks down at them and says, Whoa! If we let them do this, they will accomplish anything that they set their minds to. We can can conquer, we can have happen anything that we set our minds to when there's oneness in the body. And that's such a powerful statement. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them. You and me. So that they may be brought to complete. There's the word unity. <laughs> then the world will know that you sent me. And I've loved them even as you loved me. I wrote this down. One of the biggest tactics of the enemy right now. I believe in these last days. Is to get us to divide. <clears throat> I believe when you Divide there's things that can be canceled. I believe purpose can be canceled. Destiny can be canceled. Growth of the house of God can be canceled if we don't have unity. And the Bible says, again, I, would want to, well, I just want to get this one down. A kingdom divided against itself can't sin. Now, when Jesus, this is, this is big, kind of basic, but when Jesus came onto this earth, um, he was fully man, but yet at the same time fully God, and what that gives us a picture of is what is actual reality, and what is actually possible for us to do while we're on this earth. It gives us an insight if we look at Jesus and how he walked fully man. It tells us what is actually possible. He gives us a reality of the potential fully surrendered to God as one. That's the key there. As one. It just, he doesn't just throw, the Bible says, he doesn't just throw pearls to swine. In other words, if we're not in unity, the good stuff we might not see in our lifetime. But if there's an as one with the Father, whew, we're going to be so seeing some powerful stuff in this last day. <clears throat> and when Jesus went to the cross, the Bible teaches, I believe it was in David, that he was beaten so bad that he was unrecognizable. Individuals couldn't tell if he was a male or a female. We, we We might not preach about sin as much as maybe we should behind the pulpit, but sin makes you unrecognizable. In the beginning, we were fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. Therefore, there's an aspect of God on the inside of us. Sin causes the aspect of God to be unrecognizable. See, the Bible says unbelievers will know God is God by our fruit, If we're not bearing fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control, long-suffering. If we're not bearing fruit, we're unrecognizable. Could it be, just a thought, Jesus had to be beaten so unrecognizable, so that therefore he took the keys from the devil, so that therefore if we walk without sin, we will be recognizable? Does that make sense? It causes disunity between you and Christ, it's, it's not because we want to keep you from having fun and, and keep you from just doing your own thing and, hey, we have free will and, and there's a grace to, that will will cover. No, it's because God knows he's, we're made in his image, therefore we got to be fruit bearers. One thing about this unity and disunity uh, about God and Jesus is they never had a disagreement. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that funny? Never had an argument Never were not on the Satan page about anything. And that's what God commissions us to do with not only the body of Christ, but with Jesus. Amen. So this Tower of Babel that I was talking about is, oh, that sounds a little bit louder. And we're trying to reach this oneness with God and in in trying to be like God. And it says he, God had to strike their tongue, or strike the disunity in 11.6. Let me just read it. Look, he said, the people are united and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do would be impossible for them. I love that. Another thing I wrote down is, which will cause disunity is offense. <clears throat> I got very quiet in the Methodist church this morning. As a new believer in Christ, we've given up the right to be offended by people. I think just this week, my wife just reminded me, she says, how do you not, of all the things people say to you, all the text messages received, the hate voicemails, the things people say that you're never called to be a pastor, how does that never bother you? Because I have revelation of who I am on the inside. I have an aspect of God on the inside of me. I'm made by him. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. You can't offend me. I have people purposely you know, cutting me off on the highway, shooting me half the peace sign, and I still pray for them. You think I'm kidding. I'm not kidding you. I can't afford to be offended by people. Jesus' right-hand man, Judas, all throughout Jesus' ministry, it, the Bible says he took money out of the tithes and offerings on a daily basis. Your bro, the one you sowed so much time in, your best friend, Judas. And he knew it because Jesus knows everything. So Jesus is over here on this side of the room. Judas is over there looking around, putting $5 in his pocket. And Jesus still loved him. Jesus still sowed into his life. The Bible says, vengeance is of the Lord. He'll, he'll repay, he'll take care of it. It's never our job to take care of it. Offense is just a shot of poison from the devil. You can choose to drink it or you can throw it back right to the bartender. It's up to you. The Bible actually says, surely offenses will surely come. But it doesn't say you've got to swallow it whole. You don't got to believe it. God called us not to be orphans, but we're sons. We got royal blood running through our veins. There's one or two people that need to get this this morning you've been swallowing words like it's God's words over you. Let me just go on a a little rabbit trail really quick. What preachers try to do if they see a lack of in a certain area of the congregation, for example, let's say 2% of this church pays their tithes and offerings. It's because maybe we haven't preached revelation knowledge. Now, let me tell you what I mean by that. David said these words. He said, I meditate on the word daily. He said that in Psalms 119. After he had this laundry list of complaints to God, he said, everybody hates me, everybody's talking bad about me, Saul and his army want to kill me. And and in that moment, David had this revelation in 119. He knew he had to meditate on what God was saying about him. Because if he didn't meditate on what God was saying, maybe he would have start bringing this, what was head knowledge, and start meditating on the wrong thing. When you meditate on the wrong thing, it comes down here. And it's much, much harder to pull that out. So that's why we meditate, let's say, if we, uh, the one that ties in our friends, if that's something that, that maybe 5% of the congregation, it's because we got it up here. Yeah, we're supposed to pay our tithes in our you reap your soul, know, we know that up here. But if you don't meditate on it, you'll never get it down here. You won't understand the purpose and the, and the potential. It's not from God trying to get something from you. It's actually God trying to get something to you so that you can go into the world and give what God has given you. See, meditating in the world is like a cow. You chew on it, they spit it out, they bring it back up again, they chew on it, spit it out. Bring... It's not about the reading and memorizing scriptures. We don't even teach our kids that, uh, you know, it's the importance of memorizing, it's the importance of meditating. How many times a cow is chewing stuff, spit it out and chewing it again? You know, because so, you have to get the revelation knowledge on the inside. Um, so find those scriptures. If, if you're questioning if God wants you healed, find those scriptures about healing. Because maybe it's just up here right now, and you got to get it down here. Because no thief can get it from here. The devil isn't going to snatch it from your inner man. I promise you that. Come on, am I preaching truth to somebody in here? If is it offense? Maybe we start reading scriptures in Philippians which says, consider the interests of others above your own. Too, ba- too many times we're here getting offended. Me, 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 it's all about me. I come into the church for, and hop from church to church. I'm trying to find a home, but I go into this place and I'm not getting loved. How about you walk into a house and become love? How about you go, go into a house of God and say these two things. I'm gonna love everyone I come in contact and I'm gonna find out where I need to serve. Jesus, the creator of everything, before he went to the cross, are washing people's dirty feet. That gives you a big example of serving one another. He sees it. Who was it under the tree? Nathaniel, was it? Tracy? said, before I even came up to you, I knew you. I seen you under the tree before I wasn't even in the city. He sees that. promise you he sees it. I promise he sees your giving heart. I promise he sees you laying groceries on the doorstep of your ex-door neighbor because they need it. I promise you he sees it. One of my favorite scriptures of all the time is do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, but lay up yourself treasures in heaven where moth cannot destroy, thieves can't come in and break. Too bad we're worrying about this 80 years on earth when there's one billion trillion, trillion infinity times here on earth where we lay up treasures in heaven for, right? Eternal life. Should change our mindset. And disunity, offense, division can delay the potential in your life. Did I beat that horse long enough? Amen. <clears throat> this is a very simple practical thing. If we're trying to point out the flaws and things of other people, we always got the three fingers pointing back at ourselves and too often we were trying to yank that plank out of someone else's eye when, or the, the little sawdust out of someone else's eye when we got that massive plank in our own somebody, right? Amen. <clears throat> I believe we're at this like crossroads, prophetically. I just kept hurrying the last week of October, and my spirit as I was preparing this week, last week of October is a crossroads. There's going to be some decision-making as, as the body of Christ that we're going to have to start making. I'm not saying the end is going to come. I'm talking about the mark of the beast, but I'm talking there's going to be a crossroads. What I mean by that, there's going to be some serious decisions that we're going to have to make. And I, I'm almost leaning towards the political realm, things that are going to be thrown in our face, where we're going to have to make a choice, stand for truth or stand for compromise. Maybe behind the pulpit we're going to have to preach some more intense messages so it's not just flopping around. Well, I, I just It's just love. No, there's, a, there's, a, there's, there's commandments, there's decrees, there's establishments, there's truth in the word of God. Because if we don't preach it, the school teachers will. Kids that are just got dedicated to you, just got, got dedicated to the Lord. Someone's going to teach them. And it's got to be the church, amen? So look out. I'm not saying thus saith the Lord. I'm just saying the last week of October. Maybe we can record this simple thing. We're going to be at a crossroad. It's going to be a major decision for the body of Christ. We no longer is it possible to ride a fence. It's either we're in or out. Amen? Come on. Acts chapter 12. You still with me? Acts chapter 12. Where do I want to start? Verse 1, I think. Thanks for the ruffle, Paula. Appreciate that. Glory to God. (sighs) About that time, King Herod Agrippa began to pressure some believers in the church. He had Apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. When Herod saw that it much pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. This Took place during the Passover celebration, verse 4. Then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads with four soldiers. Herod intended to bring Peter out of the public trial, out to public trial after the Passover, but, verse 5 says, but someone say but. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed for him earnestly. Watch this now. James, or yes, James was killed by the sword and there's no indication that the church prayed at all. The church got together, prayed for Peter earnestly, and watch what happens. Here, side note, oh, rabbit trails all day. I gotta kill those rabbits. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll come back to it. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed for him earnestly. Verse 6, the night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. Verse 7, suddenly there was a bright light in the cell, and the angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side and awakened him and said, Quick, get up, and the chains fell off his wrists. Isn't it interesting, after Peter's chains broke up, then he was able to set other people free? Because wouldn't it look kind of funny if the chains were on Peter and he'd come around and say, you're free, get out of the jail, go. No, no, Peter's chains had to be broken first. Isn't it interesting that maybe, possibly, our chains need to be broke so God can then commission us to set other people free? And it happened because of Unity. It happens. you know what grieves my heart? Let me just be honest. When we have, when I'm maybe a service host or I'm up here doing prayer requests and I say, can we just extend our hands to this person because they're going through stuff and some people I see on the, oh, on, not, not anyone, I'm not looking at anybody in particular, but have their phones out or talking to their best friend. Or those, you know what grieves my heart? Because that's not unity. That's not oneness. Because you never know a year down the road when you're going through something, you need the entire church to come around you. So start praying for people like it's your own. Like it's your own mom. It's like your own kid. It's like your own dad. I don't care if it's a stubbed toe or a cancer all throughout the body. We got to be going over, going, going after this stuff like never before. Because that and that is disunity. The Bible says, "Without unity, don't expect anything from God." <laughs> I wish I had that memorized. That verse memorized. That's one we got to write down. Quick, get up, and the chains fell off his wrist. I wrote this down. We have to understand that it's a unified response in the spirit that God's looking for. Come on, people, say we. It's not about me. Say it's we. We, sometimes we. Sometimes me, me, me don't want to come to church. Sometimes, sometimes me, 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 I'm tired. Sometimes I don't want to lift my hand. Oh, the pastor's not, and the worship team's not praying my, my, playing my song and singing my notes. And oh, that message was too long. And I was hoping Pastor James was going to preach this morning. But now we got the assistant pastor. And we start thinking about these things. and We're like getting kind of frustrated. <laughs> and we're sitting there. And we're like, I'm not praising this. But your praise could set the atmosphere for the person beside you that wants to receive. And the opposite's the same. You got a great week. Things are going good. You got a promotion at work. You started a new business. People have been saying good things about you. At the same time, you can praise because it could be this person next to you that had a horrible day. And you're shifting the atmosphere so they can receive and break the chains that they need in order to go back and be really relevant to the kids and to raising up the next generation. And then so they can be set free. Come on, guys. we got to be on the same page with this stuff. The Bible says we're all members of a body, but we all play a specific part in the body. When I was in trying, trying to impress my wife, <laughs> I always have like these kind of stories. Um, she was my girlfriend at the time. So I decided to make um, a rational, not asking for my Paul type of purchase of a boat. <laughs> Dumb. I was like, I got to do a motorcycle. <laughs> so I would impress her or a boat. So kind of I asked her, she said, yeah, dude, do the boat. Yeah, the boat would be cool. Yeah, no, don't. They say the best time to get a boat is when you buy it and when you sell it. Everything in between, nightmare. But anyway, I had no clue about boats, so I got my SUV hooked up. I, I picked her up and said, we're gonna go on the Susquehanna River, let's do this. i watching YouTube videos while I'm driving, like, start engine, you know, rudder, you know. So I had it to my SUV, I had it hooked up, we go down to the Susquehanna River, it was just us, which I was kind of confused about, but it was like right before um, spring, so the water was like ice cold, dumb decision there, and I'll tell you why in a minute. So I, I back up. <clears throat> the boat to the susquehanna river and i release it and i throw off the anchor and i say go ahead honey uh hop in there and i gotta park the trailer right so i park the trailer i come back she's 40 yards out in the susquehanna river on a boat she has no clue what she's doing with i promise you i was like whoa um hey why are you floating away i put the anchor down Later, I found out I put a sandbar anchor instead of a rock anchor, so they didn't do nothing. She's halfway out the Susquehanna River. And, and now, now, to make things worse, it's taking on water. The boat was filling. It was sinking. It was literally sinking, wasn't it? <laughs> I don't know why she's still with me. I, don't, I have no clue. It's sinking. So what I forgot to do is, like, this small little member of the boat, which is called a plug, I didn't put it in. So I had to go on a rescue mission. I took off my shirt, took my keys, phone. I jumped into the ice-cold Susquehanna River and started swimming 50 yards out into the, to the river to go rescue her. Jump on the boat, tie a rope around my waist, jump back in this tow a $4,000 boat back into shore. I promise you this happened. <laughs> She's still alive, by the way. We made it. Three days later, we sold the boat. <laughs> but anyway... <laughs> But but anyway, the point is, everyone sold it immediately after, took a loss, but it was worth the loss because I gained. Oh, see, it wasn't that cute. (laughs) But anyway, my point is, is the whole thing about this unity and this body of Christ and how we need to come start coming to Wednesday night men's ministry and start. We gotta start having. uh, We have. Monday morning prayer and and, and Thursday night prayer how awesome would that be if we just come in unity and do life together and we have a fishing trip coming up that's September 23rd my goodness we gotta do life together I'm telling you we gotta be one we gotta put a thousand to flight especially in these last days because hell's gonna bring out everything he possibly can to keep us from these last days where the Bible says he's gonna pour out his spirit on all mankind the harvest is plentiful as long as we're one, amen? Yes. Amen, did you receive this morning? Yes. Okay, worship team, you can, you can come. First Corinthians, let's just read that. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up the whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some of us are free, some of us are slave. But we have all been baptized into one body, one spirit, and we all share in the same spirit. Amen. I love you guys. You guys are good. Let's stand. Let's stand. Can you just, I know this is awkward, but can you just take the hand of the person next to you? two places we can be we can either be in the reserves or we can be in the army if you're in the reserves you're only going to come out if you're called if you really really need something the reserves will come out and and fight usually stay at home you're usually not paying attention to what's going on but if you're in the army you're always ready to fight if you're on the army you're as one might have to go to the front lines you might have to be behind the scenes praying and interceding but listen when you're holding each other's hands what are you doing you're making a cross you're crucifying your flesh some of you are thinking right now oh my hands are sweaty how long is he going to do this am i going to hold this person's hand a lot of times pastors never tell us to let go so we don't awkwardly don't know when to let go but we're holding them and we're making a cross guys the bible says take up our cross and walk yeah it's uncomfortable never said it's going to be comfortable that's why he sent the holy spirit which is the comforter hello you uh-huh. can let go now put your hands straight up on the count of three just suit as one ready one two three as one let's try that again one two three as one